Uh, today's uh, reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we are looking at this verses 10 to 17 on page 1144. Page 144. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you are baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Thanks so much, Michael. Uh, please keep that passage uh, open so that we can look at it together, and you can make sure that what I am saying is coming from God's Word. Um, I'm going to ask for the Lord's help. Let me lead us in prayer. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Our Father God, we recognize this morning that we are too small and our hearts at times too sinful to, to fully see the truth. And we need your mercy and your grace. We know it's because your spirit reveals truth to us that we can know it. And so as we come to this spirit-inspired word, your word for us this morning, would your spirit be at work in our hearts, opening our eyes, moving our wills, that we might see more of Jesus and more faithfully trust and follow him, we pray. Amen. Marcus Rashford, Greta Thunberg, Zendaya, Joe Biden, Ryan Tuberty, Elon Musk, Mary Robinson, Richard Dawkins, Kim Kardashian, all hugely influential people. I wonder which you think is the most influential. Or, or maybe you think it's someone else. Or for you, maybe someone uh, less well-known. Someone you know from your wider circle of family and friends. Impressive human personalities can be a force for good. But sometimes... They can lead to division, or, or there's division among their followers. So, Mary Lou MacDonald, 
or Leah Varadka, uh, Apple and Steve Jobs, or Microsoft and Bill Gates, or much more serious, Jerry Adams, Ian Paisley, Vladimir Zelensky, Vladimir Putin. When followers exalt their preferred leaders, forming groups or taking sides, what they are saying, sometimes, maybe rightly, sometimes not so much, our group is better than your group. We expect it from the world. We don't expect it in Jesus' church. And yet here, 1 Corinthians 10 to 17, that is exactly what we find is going on. Do you remember what we saw last week that Paul writes to these Corinthians? First, he greets them, he thanks God for them, he says, you're a real church. But we also saw they were a real mess. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's immorality, there's confusion about all sorts of issues. There is selfishness, there's shambolic worship services. And yet, before Paul goes on to address any of that, he starts here. Actually, here in our passage, but all the way through to the end of chapter 4, to address division. Have a look at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Paul actually starts here with the issue of division because addressing this issue will actually address what underlies much of the other issues, and actually the solution to this issue will help with many of the other issues that he will go on to address. Well, why, are, why is there division? Why are they dividing in the Corinthian church? It's because they are making much of human personalities. Here's the first thing we're going to see. What happens if you make much of human personalities? Do you remember that these are the church of God in Corinth? Corinth, that great city within the Roman Empire that was a city obsessed with show and status and impressed by people who were very showy, particularly the philosophers and debaters of the day. They were the celebrities of the day and they would put on a show and they would gain followers. They would get patrons and those patrons would form tribes. Well, Paul's had a report a report from Chloe's household. Verse 11. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Who are Chloe's household, these people? We're not really sure, but what is clear is that sadly these Christians, they haven't given up on their tribalism. No, actually what they've done in the church is they've just Christianized it. And so verse 12, Paul says, this is what I mean when I'm talking about your divisions. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. 
Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. In other words, my group is better than your group. What does making much of human personalities do? Well, we're going to see it divides the church. It seems that just as in Corinth, the Corinthian church have attached themselves to, associated themselves with, made much of, some human figures, in their minds, their favorite or most impressive Christian celebrity. Thinking our group is better than your group. We're the truly spiritual ones. Well, we don't know exactly what is going on here and why they've chosen these particular leaders, but I, I think it's possible to have a bit of a guess. So just have a look with me. So, some say, I follow Paul, the original and the best. I, you know, I was even baptized by Paul when he was here in Corinth. Next, you get Apollos. We learn from Acts 18 that he also visited Corinth and that he was an eloquent speaker, spoke with real power and wisdom. And so some say, I follow Apollos. Maybe he's a powerful preacher. Not like Paul, a bit sort of long and, and, and sort of, you know, complicated. This person, Apollos, was engaging, enthralling, even entertaining. Or I follow Cephas, uh, the Greek name for Peter. Maybe this resonated with those from a Jewish background. Here's a, here's a proper apostle. Someone who was really there with Jesus. And then you get the last one, still another I follow Christ. I follow Christ. It, isn't that right? Isn't that what we would all want to say? And it could be that actually Paul is saying, I'm the another. And this is what some of the commentators think. And he's saying, I'm the another. Let me show you the right way. We're supposed to say, I follow Christ. But it could also be that this is a sort of super spiritual group, that they look at the other group saying, I follow these other ones, and they go, no, our group is the best, better than your groups, because we are super spiritual. We know the right answer. We follow Christ. What planet are they on? You just think, really? You're supposed to be God's people together. Do you remember we saw that verse 2 last week? Here, Paul calls them brothers in verse 10 and again in verse 11. Actually, that word brothers is, is much more gender inclusive than we probably realize. It's not talking about just male followers. It's talking about all followers. But he, he says, you are family, my family, family together. What, what are they doing? I mean, we'd never do anything like this, would we? John MacArthur. Francis Schaeffer, Tim Keller, John Piper, John Mark Comer, Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, Jen Wilkin, Nancy Guthrie, John Samuel, Pastor Judd, all greatly used by God. But 
The sinful inclination of each human heart is to push God off the throne and to exalt ourselves or to exalt others, other creatures. And these lists I've just read out, yes, all greatly used by God, but sometimes because of our sin and our pride means used wrongly by us. Mere humans exalted. So maybe we say, you know, I'm with so-and-so. I'm with Piper, which basically means Piper is with me. And my group is the best group. We've got it right. The most spiritual. Do we have favorites? Do you have a favorite internet preacher? Or podcast speaker? Or historical figure from church history? Or Irish pastor. And supporting them can make us feel, oh, well, you know, our knowledge, our position, well, we're a bit superior to those other Christians. Do we have favorites here in Grosvenor? A favorite staff member? I follow Leanne. I follow Connor. A favorite elder? Favorite home group leader? I'm glad I'm in group and not that group. Me, as I was reflecting on this, sadly, what I realized is that when I meet uh, someone for the first time and I find out they're a Christian and then I sort of hear what kind of influences they have in their life, what sort of Christian uh, speakers they like or whatever, if I like that speaker, well then I treat them with sort of joy and love. If If I'm not so sure about the speaker that they follow, my attitude is more of suspicion. Now, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't be discerning about uh, big names in the Christian world. We really should. We need to, to be very careful to ensure that who we're reading, what we're listening to is really coming from the Scriptures. But that attitude for me with a fellow brother or sister in Christ, I think just shows how quick I am to have a superior attitude to my brother or sister. God is saying to us here, making much of human leaders divides Christ's church. Just notice that in Corinthians, here what we're looking at in this passage, they're not dividing because the leaders are divided. Actually, what we'll see later on in 1 Corinthians is that that Paul calls Apollos a fellow worker. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we see that um, Peter and Paul shared the right hand of fellowship. They're not divided, the leaders. It's the followers. They're not even divided over doctrine. It's not different beliefs. It's personality. Who these Corinthians like most or think are most impressive But what is also interesting is that Paul says this division is deeply doctrinal. The the Corinthians, they pride themselves on being spiritual and mature because they have knowledge and they're wise, they think. But actually they are immature because all doctrine is supposed to be lived out. And they've utterly failed to take the knowledge that they have and live out that knowledge, live out the gospel, live out their identity in Christ. What have they failed to live out? Their unity 
in Christ and their union with Christ. You see, Paul, he asks three questions of them. Verse 13. Is Christ divided? Well, the answer clearly is no. You can't divide Christ. You can't slice Christ up. You can slice bread up. This is bread. These are still bread. Sliced bread. They're still bread. I've sliced them up. They're still bread. What about Ted? You can't slice Ted up. You destroy Ted if you slice Ted up. You can't divide Christ. Christ is not like bread that can be separated into slices. He's a perfect unity. And his people are called to display that unity, to be a together people. Actually, later in 1 Corinthians, they are described as if, well, they are, but they are described as Christ's body. Christ is the head and the church of the body. They are supposed to be a unity with Christ and one, with one another. Can Christ be divided? No. And yet, there's an a, a sense in which the answer is yes, in that this is what the Corinthians are doing. They're not living out their unity in Christ. Paul asks the second question. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Of course not. Yet if we're more impressed with a mere human leader than we are with Christ, then it's possible that that human is being treated like a savior in our lives. Paul's third question. I give, yeah, grace. Um, <clears throat> were you baptized into the name of Paul? Again, the answer, no, obviously not. All these Christians were baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism expressed their union with Jesus and the fact that because of their faith in Jesus and being united with him, all those blessings flow out. They don't get those blessings from union with Paul or Apollos or anyone else. They, then, and we today are told to agree. Remember back to verse 10? Actually, the word agree there is literally uh, speak the same thing. Uh, we're to be perfectly united in mind and thought. That, that doesn't mean we're to agree on everything. Not even everything when it comes to sort of beliefs, but it means on the central thing on these things of Christ and unity. And we're to live them out. I actually love the next bit um, where Paul goes, uh, he can't remember who he's baptized because um, if you ask me, Ed, who have you baptized? I'd be a disaster at trying to remember. Um, you know, I can hardly remember who I met yesterday. And 
the reason for that is, the reason I can't remember who I've baptized is because I have a memory issue. I don't think that's Paul's problem. Just have a look at what he says. Verse 14, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Now, I imagine someone, while he was writing, sort of nudges him here and says, what about these guys? Oh, oh yeah, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Oops. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone. Paul's issue isn't a memory issue, I, I don't think. It, it's a Jesus issue. He says he doesn't want anyone to say they've been baptized into his name. He doesn't want glory for himself, self-glory. He wants all the glory to go to Jesus. I think he'd be horrified if these Corinthians got together and said, we're going to call our church St. Paul's. Martin Luther um, heard that some uh, believers were beginning to be called Lutherans. And this was his response. What is Luther? The teaching is not mine, nor was I crucified for anyone. How did I, poor stinking bag of maggots that I am, come to the point where people call the children of Christ by my evil name? I mean, he's, he's dead right. You know, these humans that these Corinthians exalt, the ones that we exalt, all of them, all of us, we're just unworthy sinners. Just like everybody else. And actually, if we're in a position of spiritual uh, leadership or responsibility, maybe in the Sunday club or the Christian union or, or here in church in different ways, well, long not to exalt ourselves, not to exalt others, but to exalt Jesus. Commend him and his gospel. So making much of human personalities, it divides the church. But actually in this passage, there's another terrible consequence. It empties the cross. Verse 17, Paul writes this to them, For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest, the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What was Paul, the great apostle, sent to do? By Jesus. Not to put on a show, not to, to baptize as many people as possible and have the sort of longest list of baptized people. Not to preach powerfully, at least not using the techniques that showed his wisdom and his power. That, that's what would have been happening all around in the city of Corinth. They were used to powerful preaching. These were the celebrities of their day. In fact, at that time in the Roman Empire, there were schools of rhetoric that people could go to and be taught how to speak with real power and persuasion. One of the greatest uh, orators in the Roman Empire was a guy called Cicero, and um, he went to one of these schools of rhetoric, and he said this about preaching, eloquent, eloquent speaking. Listen to this. It rushes along like the roar of a mighty stream, which all look up to and admire, and which they despair of attaining. 
This eloquence has the power to sway men's minds and move them in every possible way. Now it storms the feelings. Now it creeps in. It implants new ideas and uproots the old. Now, Paul, Bible teachers, are not to make God's word boring or dull. And we know some preachers are given amazing gifts by God, really gifted by God, and they're to use those gifts to make much of Jesus. But have you ever had the experience of this kind of preaching that Cicero is talking about that is really all human wisdom and power and little or no Jesus or Bible? Have you experienced that? Where in the moment you're sort of swept along, but actually when you think about it afterwards, there's just no substance. Paul's concern is if these guys exalt human leaders and they're impressed by their human wisdom, then they are forgetting the substance. As they exalt these humans, they are diminishing Christ. They are impressed and trust in human power and wisdom, and, well, their faith is less in God, and less in God's power. And so, he says, it's as if they empty the cross of its power. It's useless to them. It has no power for them. If Paul was not sent to preach like that, what was he sent to do? We'll have a look again. He said, but to preach the gospel. To preach the good news of Jesus. To show that Jesus is the one who holds all the power. The one who should be made much of. He says the solution to this division is to make much of Jesus. And how? Well, by preaching the cross. Because the power lies in the cross of Christ. Does Paul or any man or woman have the power to bear the awesome weight of sin? Yours and mine. Does anyone, our favorite preacher, our favorite leader, have the power to take the blame for every evil thought, every evil deed? Does anyone have the power to absorb God's wrath, his just judgment that we deserve for our sin? Does anyone have the power to die a death that forgives and loves and sets us free and calls us into God's family and defeats death? Does any man? Well, yeah, there's one, isn't there? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how did he do it all? He did it at the cross. As the eternal Son of God, perfect, infinite in worth and power, made himself nothing and actually emptied himself on the cross for us so that he might make much of sinners like you and me. That is the power of the cross. Have you experienced that power? 
If you're a Christian, you have. It might be that you're here this morning and you're not, you're not a follower of Jesus. You've not trusted in Jesus. Well, this power is available for you. This, this life, this forgiveness is offered to you in Jesus. And like us, what you need to do is what we've done, which is recognize that before God we have failed. We, we've exalted ourselves, we've exalted others. We've rejected God. We need to repent, admit that sin. Come to Jesus for forgiveness and life and experience the power of the cross. John MacArthur, Francis Schaeffer, John Piper, Tim Keller, Jen Wilkin, Nancy Guthrie, John Samuel. If we make much of human personalities, the danger is that we'll start exalting and trusting in them instead of Jesus Christ. If we do that, it'll divide the church. It'll empty the cross of its power. Instead, what we are to do is humble ourselves and make much of Jesus. That is true spirituality. We're to see again the cross of Christ. We're to see again our wonderful, uniting, loving Savior. We're going to pause just take a moment to consider what we have been seeing in God's word. Maybe respond to yourself, yourself in prayer to the Lord. And I'll lead us in prayer shortly. Our Father God, we come to you and we pray for forgiveness where we have felt ourselves superior. Superior to other Christians or, or where we have looked to other mere human beings to give us identity or to put our trust in them. We ask that you would help us to see all that we share in Jesus that Christ cannot be divided and we as your people must not be divided. We pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves, to, to humbly appreciate those Christian leaders that you have sent to serve us without exalting them. We ask that in your mercy we and other people in the church would become less. 
and the Lord Jesus would become more. In his name we pray. Amen.